Hello, this is Gene Wilhelm, and today we'll be exploring the uh, readings for the 15th Sunday of Ordinary Time, July 11, 2021. We're going to spend a lot of time in the uh, second reading from the very beginning of the book of Ephesians, actually starting with verse 3. Uh, and it speaks of six blessings that are ours because of Jesus' death, and resurrection, and the sending of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we have to understand from the Hebrew perspective that blessing can mean prosperity or true happiness. So these are the, the genuine articles that God wants to give us. And by nature of our baptism, we are all priest, prophet, and king, and we share in the command that Jesus gave to his disciples to be his witnesses. Uh, sometimes performing that assignment is not very pleasant or successful from a human perspective, like uh, the type of success that the apostles had in the gospel reading, and sometimes rejected like Amos in the first reading. And regardless of the response uh, for, or the outcome, our obeying of Jesus' command is a necessary part of being a life, a necessary part of being a disciple. Let's look at the second reading. So we're going to start that, and that's Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. And uh, we're going to do a lot of looking at the notes in the New Jerusalem Bible that talks about the blessings today. Uh, so let's say it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that word blessed there is elegos, legatos, pardon me. And it's adorable, blessed, praised. So Paul is saying, giving God his glory here, his praise, what's going on. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Okay, so Paul is here, according to the Jerusalem Bible, note 1b is talking about the immediate reference to what was revealed to Paul on the road to Damascus. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That's the first blessing. God's call is upon us for eternal happiness. If you look in the... Uh, in the, uh, the uh, Catholic Catechism, the old Baltimore Catholic Catechism, the, answers, the answer to the question is, why did God make me? God made me to know, love, and serve him in this world and to be happy with him in heaven forever. And this is the major theme of the readings today, that, that, that the true happiness comes from obedience to God. So that's the first blessing, to be holy and without blemish before him. Now, holy, remember the Hebrew concept of holiness is that you're set apart. It's, it's living out the first three verses of of Psalm 1. Blessed is he who does not, you know, doesn't sit around with scoffers. He doesn't listen to the, all these folks, doesn't follow the path of sinners. It's, but focuses, he spends his time and he finds his delight in the law of God and the word of God. And so this is, we are called to be holy and we are able to be holy because of the grace that God has poured out on us. Remember, uh, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made best in your weakness. So even when we find ourselves weak, we God is giving us the grace that we can live a life of holiness. It's And then the next one is, one is in verse, the next blessing is, in love he destined us for adoption to himself through Jesus Christ in accord with the favor of his will for the praise and glory of his grace that he granted us in the beloved. All right, so the second blessing, and you can see that one in uh, 
uh, New Jerusalem Bible, Ephesians 1D, becoming holy, the, the holy divine sonship of which Jesus Christ, the only son, is the source and the model. So because of what Jesus has done for us, we can become the adopted sons and daughters of God. Now, again, if you have to, in this culture, uh, in the Roman culture particularly, the idea of adoption was one that this is someone that the father chose. If you remember correctly, we've talked about it before, that the, this, the natural born son or daughter could be disinherited. But the one that the father has chosen through adoption cannot be disinherited. So it's a special blessing that we have because of that. All right, so let's, that's the second blessing. Now let's go on to the third one. But let, let's go back a minute. I, why did he do this? I think it's very, it's very, uh, for the praise of the glory of his grace. Again, it goes back to grace. The praise of the glory of his grace. Are, uh, we, we are supposed to be living examples of the praise of God's glory. Are you a living example of the praise of God's glory? And if you're living a holy life, you are. And it, it's all accomplished again by grace. So it says, then the third blessing is, <clears throat> excuse me, in him we have the redemption of his blood, the forgiveness of transgressions in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished upon us. Okay, so it's redemption. It's redemption. And why is that possible? It's the same reason, again, it's our by bath, re, reason of his death and resurrection or our baptism, our baptism. So let's go back and let's look at Mark chapter 1, verse 10 and 11 to see a little bit about how that is. We, we talk about uh, how we can do that. And that's, remember Jesus was baptized and it says at once or immediately as he was coming out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit like a dove descended on him and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved, my favor rests on you. That's the same thing that God wants to say to us. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my beloved. And we are supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is a part of what is going on here that we are called to be God's children. Again, let's go back again. Let's look at first. John chapter 3 verse 1 says, you must see what great love the Father has lavished on us by letting us be called God's children, which is what we are. The reason why the world does not acknowledge us is that it did not acknowledge him. So we are supposed to be living out the life that is there and that uh, we have been redeemed. We have been pulled out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light by God, by Jesus's death and resurrection. But we have to accept that. We accept that through baptism. We accept it through living the life that Jesus has called us to live. And again, let's look at Colossians 1 verses 13 and 14. Because of that, because that is what he has done, redeemed us, it is he who has rescued us from the ruling forces of dark, the darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son that he loves. And in him, we enjoy our freedom, the forgiveness of sins. And again, remember that in the scriptural sense of the word freedom, it's not freedom to do whatever you want or license to do whatever you want. It's the freedom to become fully who you are 
and to be totally and completely obedient to God in all his commands and everything that he desires of you. So that's very important that we understand that and live that life. And it's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge of, of us, uh, of our very being to want to follow God and God's plan and rather than following our own way of doing things, which is what our culture is telling us that we're supposed to do. And then the third lesson, in him, let's say we, we did that one. In, in all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will in accord with his favor and set forth in him as a plan for the fullness of time that, to sum up all things in Christ in heaven and on earth. And so that's the next blessing. It's, it's that revelation of the mystery. Again, going back to uh, the first few verses of, of uh, Psalm 1, it spends his time, day, meditates on his word day and night. If we are in the mystery, God, through his word, in the scriptures, and those of us who are Catholics believe that it's in the, the tradition and in the magisterium or the teaching of the church that we find the revelation of all the mysteries that are in the world. And we just have to open our minds and our hearts to be able to, to hear what those are and what those mean. And you have to do it by faith because, again, it's Hebrews 11. One says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the things that remain unseen. So we may not see them in a worldly sense, but we can see them with our, with our spirit, with our mind's eye. And so Romans 16, 25 and 26 says, And now to him who can make you strong in accordance with the gospel that I preach and the proclamation of Jesus Christ in accordance with that mystery which for the endless was kept secret, but now as the prophets wrote, is it revealed as the eternal God commanded to be made known to all the nations so that they would obey him. So what, what is that saying? What is that saying to us? It is saying that we are there. And this, the Jerusalem Bible, uh, note again, note I, or New Jerusalem, the main theme of this letter is to how the whole body of creation, having made covenant from Christ, by from the creator, by sin is decomposing, and now it, its rebirth is affected by Christ reuniting all its parts into an organism which, with Himself as the head. In other words, it's saying that the old, the old man. Is, behold, all things are new, right? And the old man has to die. Unless a grain of wheat falls upon the ground and die, it remains a single grain. Our whole life is a as a dying to the old person and a rebirth to live the new life and to bear the fruit that God wants. So let's look at the next one then. So the next blessing is in him we also were also chosen, destined in accord with the purpose of the one who accompanies all things according to the intention of the will so that we might exist for the praise and glory we first hoped in Christ. Okay, so again, praise and glory. Our life is supposed to be a living praise and glory of God and what he has done for us. So that fifth blessing then is the choice of Israel to be God, God's wit, own witness in the world of the Masonic hope, Messianic hope, pardon me. Paul, being a Jew, uses we. So it's not just who's the new Israel. The church is the new Israel. So it's called for us also that God chose us from the beginning of time to be very special in his eyes. We are, cho we are the God's chosen people. 
And so we, we have to understand very carefully that that's what we are. And Isaiah 46.10 prophesies this. From the beginning, I reveal the future in advance what has not yet occurred. I say my purpose will come about. I shall do whatever I please. God had this as his plan from the very beginning. He brought it about through Jesus Christ. And, it, and so then we can look now at the sixth uh, blessing. In him also you have, been, you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and have believed in him. We're sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit, that it is, which I'm sorry, which is the first installment of our inheritance toward the redemption as God's possession to the praise of his glory. Again, praise of his glory. Our life is supposed to reflect that. So the sixth blessing is the call of the non-Jews to share salvation that had till then been reserved for the Jews and that that they will be saved is proved by the fact that they received the Holy Spirit as promised. Remember uh, remember in Acts where Paul was at Cornelius' house and everybody was astonished that these, these people who had not been baptized had received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit and Peter said, how can I hold back baptism from them? So let's look at 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Another reason why we continually thank God for you is that as soon as you heard the word that we brought you as God's message, you welcomed it for what it really is, not the word of a human being, but God's word, a power that is working among believers. Can you say that is true of yourselves as well? I, I'm not sure whether all of us can. So, and it's something that we need to do. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, who has marked you with the seal, with his seal, ready for the day when we shall be set free. Are you grieving the Holy Spirit by the life you're living? If the Holy Spirit is living in you, you need to live a Spirit-filled life. And it's so important that we understand that, that we do that. Toward the area, toward redemption is God's possession, to the praise and glory of his name. Isaiah 43, 21, God prophesies, The people I have shaped for myself will broadcast my praises. Or 1 Peter 2, 9, Peter talks about this same thing. But you are a chosen race, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, a people to be a personal possession, to sing the praises of God who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So that's where we're at right now. And that's where we're supposed to be. If you're not there, I pray that God will help you to get there. Now let's look at the first reading. This is from Amos chapter 7, verses 12 through 15. Uh, so Amaziah, priest of Bethel, said to Amos, let's take a look at this. Amaziah is a, a means the strength of Yah. So it's God's strength. And we'll see that, that he really doesn't represent God's strength. He's, he's looking at, at Amos from a human point of view rather than from a God point of view. And Amos means burdensome. I surely wouldn't want to name my children burdensome, and I am so glad that my parents didn't name me burdensome. So as far as Amaziah is concerned, Amos is a pain. He's a burden upon the people of the northern kingdom. And we have to understand that at this point in time, uh, this is after the death of uh, D David and Solomon, and the, the, the united people of God, the uh, people the chosen people divided into the north and the south. And the south is where Jerusalem was in the south, and that's where the temple was. 
and David chose Jerusalem because it was close to the border between the two uh, parts, divided parts of the kingdom, much like the District of Columbia in the United States is on the border between uh, Maryland and Virginia. And if you look at the map, uh, a map of D.C., you will see that it's basically a square that's on its end. And after the Civil War, which in the North is a Civil War, in the South it's a war between the states, the portion that was in Virginia has been cut off. So all of the D.C. is now an area that was originally in, in Maryland. But he says, a priest of Bethel. The, Bethel means the house of God, just like Bethlehem means the house of bread. So this is the older part. This is the older place where the Ark of the Covenant was before David brought it to Jerusalem. And, and this is when the kingdom split. Uh, the northern people in the northern kingdom, for political reasons, didn't want the people to go into Jerusalem to worship. So they reestablished uh, their, their temple in Bethel. And he says, off with you, visionary, flee to the land of Judah. So, so Amos is a foreigner as far as they're concerned because he's from the southern kingdom. Go back to where you came from. And he's calling him a visionary. He's calling him uh, someone, uh, uh, and it's kind of contentious because it's saying you're a professional prophet. And as we'll see a little bit later that he really wasn't a professional prophet. It says, there earn your bread by prophesying. Never again prophesy in Bethel. So get out of here and stop spreading this stuff that's, that's disturbing the people, disturbing the king, disturbing me. For it is the king's sanctuary and the royal, a royal temple. This belongs to the north, king of the northern kingdom. Don't get in here and do what you're doing. Amos answered Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor have I belonged to a company of prophets. I was a shepherd and a dresser of sycamores. The Lord took me from following the flock and said to me, go prophesy to the people of Israel. All right. I was no prophet. Amos was not a professional prophet. And he hasn't belonged to a, a company of prophets. You, you can see several places in the Old Testament where there are companies of prophets that would go along. And uh, I think Saul followed a company of them when God's spirit fell upon him. He says, I was a shepherd and a dresser of sycamores. Now, sycamore here is not the tree that we think of in this country. It's actually a tree that I think is related to the fig tree. So he, he was keeping sheep, and he was pruning trees and making sure that they would grow and bear fruit. And God took him from among the flock, and he said, Go prophesy to my people Israel. Amos was going, this was a temporary assignment. Amos listened to God and did what God told him to do. This is very much unlike Jonah, and I always frequently use Jonah as an example. Jonah was called by God to go somewhere he, where he didn't want to go, which was a very dangerous place to be. So was Amos. It was not safe for somebody from the southern kingdom to come to the northern kingdom and tell them how to live their lives. And yet he did it, whereas Jonah ran away. And this is, like I say, this is a temporary assignment. Amos was going to go back to tending his sheep. Are you ready for God to call you for a temporary assignment that takes you out of your comfort zone and, and where, where you're living your life? Or are you in a situation where you really don't want to hear what God has to say to disrupt the life that you're, you're living and want to live? Uh, so it, it's important uh, to do that. I, and I think that we, we need to take a look at what God is calling us to do and you can't hear God if you're listening to all these other voices that are out there. 
Let's take a quick look, or let's take a look at the gospel. And this is this gospel is from Mark chapter six, verses seven through thirteen. Parallels uh, are in uh, Matthew ten one and nine to fourteen, and Luke one to six and ten uh, four to eleven. Now, the it says Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two. Isn't that interesting? Here he's got the twelve apostles, and he sends them out two by two. This really pretty much tells us that, that Christianity is not a Jesus and me type operation. It's, it's a corporate thing where we help each other. And in this particular case, not only are there being support for each other, but probably keeping each other honest. Now, let's take a look at how this happened. Let's look at Mark chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. It says, Now he went up onto the mountain and summoned those he wanted. So they came to him, and he appointed twelve. They were to be his commandments and to be sent out to proclaim the message with power to drive out devils. Now, that's important. It's important what it says right there. From the very beginning, this was what Jesus had chosen for, for his apostles to do. So he chose, sent them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. So Jesus here in chapter 6 is confirming what we read in chapter 3 when he selected them originally. Jesus had a plan for their lives that was probably very different from what they thought they were going to be doing. Remember, four of them were fishermen. What did fishermen know about driving out spirits? Levi, Matthew, was a tax collector. What did he know about driving out evil spirits? Many people in in, in the, the land thought that he had an evil spirit in himself because he was collaborating with the Romans. But he instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick. Oh, no food, no sack, no money in their belts. So they were told to depend completely upon God and the people that God would bring into their lives to provide whatever it is that they needed. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tunic. Paul says, uh, talks about, that the eagerness to spread the gospel are the sandals that were supposed that's in Ephesians 6:10 and following. But not but not a second tunic. So they didn't have any change of clothes, they didn't have a second coat, they didn't have a, a blanket to wrap up in, nothing of that sort. He said to them, Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave. And that stay is that same word mino mino. Uh, which stay, remain, abide, which is in John chapter 15, abide in me as I abide in you, or in uh, John eight thirty one, if you abide in my word. So it's that remaining, staying there until you leave. Now, sometimes you get into a house that maybe they are not too happy to have you there, or they're not living the type of life that you think they ought to be living, or the food there is miserable, or whatever it happens to be. And it might not be totally kosher. And Jesus says, don't leave. That's where you're supposed to stay. That's the choice. Whatever your place does not welcome you or does not listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off of your feet and testimony against it. Let's look at John, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. And we see what, what is uh, some of what uh, this is talking about. There, Jesus says, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. So what Jesus is saying here is that if they don't welcome you in their house, then they're not welcoming me. 
Leave them alone. Don't get angry. Don't do any of the other things that you could be doing. And shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. Remember, the only, re the only thing that people of uh, Jesus' time would wash when they came into a house is the dust. So they were washing the dust off of their feet, which in a sense is the dust of the world, something that's outside the house, something that's, that could possibly be unclean. So God, Jesus is telling him here, get rid of everything that's all this unbelief and this lack of holiness and a lack of acceptance of God and his word and his plan for their lives. Get out of there. And he says, wherever you... So they went off and they preached repentance. Ah, what is the first thing we see uh, that John says? And the first thing that Jesus says, repent and believe the gospel. Change your lives, change your attitude, change your way of thinking. Turn around, come back to God. And it says, they drove out many demons and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. Going back to, let's go to James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. James says this same type of thing was going on after Jesus' resurrection, after Pentecost. And any one of you who is ill should send for the elders of the church, and they must anoint the sick person with oil in the name of the Lord and pray over him. The prayer of the faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up again. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Now, Catholics see this as uh, talking about the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. And God, this is before, this in the gospel is before that. So we need to understand what God is asking us to do. Let's just glance at the uh, responsorial psalm. Lord, let us see your kindness and grant us your salvation. This is the call that we see through this whole set of readings, that God wants to save us from ourselves. He wants to save us from our past. He wants to save us from our culture. He wants to save us from those things in our heritage which are not good, clean, holy things. And that's what he wants for us. Another thing that we need to understand is from these readings is that we need to be more diligent in recognizing the blessings in our lives and never shirking the obedience to those things that God tells us to do. And with that, I'm going to wish you a very happy and blessed week, and we will talk to you next week. And you can also see the written things that I have on the blog post that you'll see at the bottom of the uh, explanation of what's, what this is all about. Thank you.